A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, this is a History of Europe Kibatos podcast. This is part six, the final part on the series on the French Revolutionary Wars of 1787 to 1802. Last week I talked about the French Revolutionary War up until the year 1797, including the astonishingly successful campaign in Italy and Austria of Napoleon Bonaparte, at the time just one of several French commanders. He achieved the conquest of much of northern Italy and the formation of a new Cisalpine Republic, which was effectively under French control. French expansionism did not cease with the conclusion of the Peace of Campo Formio, which formalised this, but rather seemed to accelerate. The political turbulence in Paris continued, with yet another coup d'etat in September 1797. The Directory was purged of moderate republicans and of real or suspected monarchists. The new hardline republican leaders were determined to bring about the continued extension of the revolution abroad. In March 1798, military intervention in Switzerland led to the formation there of the Helvetic Republic. The enthusiasm of Swiss Republicans provided the pretext for action which the French government believed beneficial to protect France's southeastern frontier and to secure military communications with northern Italy. Next disturbances in the Papal States led to the intervention of French troops and the proclamation of the Roman Republic, which remained occupied by the French. In December 1798, the French seized control of the Kingdom of Sardinia. Everywhere, the French Revolution appeared to be on the march, and although these actions caused considerable resentment and anxiety, French expansion seemed unstoppable. Napoleon's next target was Great Britain, the only member of the First Coalition still in the war. In the first months of 1798, a so-called Army of England, commanded by Napoleon, was assembled in northern French ports. 
yet the French could not control the channel for long enough. The most they managed was to land a thousand troops in Ireland in support of a local insurrection against British rule, arriving too late to make an impact. The Irish Rising, an accompanying French expedition, demonstrated to the British government once again the dangers of an open flank in the West. They therefore passed the Act of Union between Great Britain and Ireland in the year 1800, which merged the parliaments of the two countries. The British Foreign Secretary, Lord Grenville, backed by Prime Minister William Pitt, put forward proposals for a new alliance that could defeat France. The plan was for close cooperation between Britain and the three great eastern powers, Austria, Prussia and Russia. The chief problem was naturally reconciling old antagonisms in order that a united war could be fought. The new King of Prussia, Frederick William III, declined to join. Negotiations with the Russians were progressing well for armed intervention in return for subsidies, until Catherine the Great passed away, her son and successor, Paul I, cut off talks, refusing to send any troops. Paul's gradual change of mind was not a response to British urgings, but rather due to French expansion in the Mediterranean, which the Russians increasingly saw as part of their sphere of influence after their annexation of Crimea and the northern Black Sea coast. Paul became alarmed by French gains of the Peace of Campo Formio. In particular, he resented the French annexation of the Ionian Islands from Venice and a seizure of the island of Malta in 1798. The Ionian Islands off the west coast of Greece were of important strategic value in any struggle for control of the eastern Mediterranean. Paul also feared that the French would use the islands to extend their influence in the Balkans, where Russia also had her own ambitions. And so he was finally persuaded to declare war on France. The Russians, as well as the Austrians, were also increasingly concerned about the balance of power in Germany, as the French made further advances westwards. The spark for a major re-escalation of the conflict was Napoleon's decision to invade Egypt. Once it became clear that the British could not be defeated by an invasion or at sea, he looked for a new way to challenge them. He hoped to damage British trade in the Mediterranean and replace it with French. Some historians believe that Napoleon then planned to use a base on the Red Sea to launch a strike on India. Others believe his intention was more to partition the Ottoman Empire. Ottoman rule had already undergone a process of considerable decentralisation in the last decades, so the Sultan had already lost direct authority over the Mamluk rulers in Egypt. In the summer of 1798, Napoleon led the largest ever fleet to sail the Mediterranean, 280 ships in all, with 38,000 soldiers and 13,000 sailors and marines. He was fortunate to reach Egypt without being set upon by the British fleet of Admiral Nelson, who was on the lookout for the French, but had been scattered by a storm a day before the French fleet arrived. The French landed in Egypt on the 1st of July and soon routed the Mameluke army at the decisive Battle of the Pyramids on the 21st of July, named so because the ancient Egyptian pyramids of Giza 
were faintly visible on the horizon when the battle took place. It was a complete victory. French casualties amounted to roughly 300, but Ottoman and Mamluk casualties were in the thousands. Three days later, the French captured Cairo and gained control over Lower Egypt. However, the promising start to the expedition suffered a massive setback on the 1st of August when Admiral Nelson discovered the French warships anchored in a strong defensive position in the Bay of Abukir. At the Battle of the Nile, which ensued, the British fleet managed to slip half of their ships in between the land and the French line, and so attack from both sides. In a few hours, nearly all the French fleet were destroyed, except four ships, which were able to flee. Bonaparte's army was left stranded in Egypt, while Nelson reasserted British control of the Mediterranean Sea. An unusual aspect of the Egyptian expedition was the inclusion of a large number of scientists and intellectuals on board, including a geologist, mathematician, a naturalist and engineer. They founded an institute in Egypt with the aim of propagating the Enlightenment, improving the country's agricultural and architectural techniques, for example. Scholars on the trip also observed and drew the flora and fauna they discovered and became interested in the country's resources. One of the most significant finds was the Rosetta Stone, which contained the same text in different languages and proved invaluable for working out how to decipher Egyptian hieroglyphs. Initial hopes that the expedition would not antagonise the Ottomans were shattered by the Sultan's declaration of war on France in September. Napoleon now tried to advance northwards into Syria in order to consolidate his position. This strategy was initially successful, but the failure to capture the port of Acre today in Israel forced him to retreat. The intervention of the British Navy was decisive, above all in depriving Napoleon of heavy artillery. The French army fell back to Egypt, suffering heavy losses from plague, and the expedition was soon proving a very costly diversion for very little gain. Napoleon hurried back to France, abandoning his army when he heard of the news of French defeats in Europe and the volatile state of French domestic politics. His troops remained on Egyptian soil until they were finally forced to evacuate in September 1801. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
Earlier, the defeat of the French at the Battle of the Nile allowed the Russians and Ottomans to commence joint operations against the Ionian Islands with confidence, which they all successfully captured by March 1799. The Russians also joined with the Austrians and the Kingdom of Naples and so expanded the Second Coalition further. The plan was a joint attack on French positions in Italy and then a thrust into Switzerland. The Neapolitans, concerned they were about to be engulfed anyway by the French, did not want to delay and attacked first. Their invasion of the Roman Republic from the south started well, but their army proved no match for the French and they were soon fleeing back southwards. By the end of the year, the French were in control of the whole of Naples and declared yet another satellite state to add to their collection, which they called the Parthenopian Republic. The well-respected Russian general Alexander Suvorov was brought out of retirement at the age of 70 and was given command of the combined Austro-Russian forces in northern Italy. His triumphant march effectively cleared the French out of the peninsula and provoked a wave of popular insurrections. For example, Cardinal Fabrizio Ruffo led the so-called Christian army from Sicily to overthrow the Parthenopian Republic in the name of Church and King. And in Tuscany, crowds evoking the Madonna chased out the French. Tsar Paul of Russia expected that the expulsion of the French from the Italian peninsula would be followed by the restoration of the former rulers, but it soon became clear that Vienna had designs on France's Italian satellites. The Habsburgs refused to join the Russians in an invasion of France and instead diverted their troops to the pursuit of territorial gains in Italy. The Russians, abandoned by the Austrians, were defeated by the French at a battle near Zurich in September 1799. The escape of General Sivorov and his men from the exposed position in which they left them was accomplished by a passage of the Alps into Germany with heavy losses. Tsar Paul was furious with the Austrian allies and immediately withdrew from the coalition. Meanwhile, the British opened up a second front in the Netherlands. However, the expected uprising in favour of the deposed House of Orange and against the French failed to materialise. A joint Anglo-Russian campaign there failed, which also fed into Tsar Paul's increasing resentment of the coalition. He was also angry at the British refusal to allow the Russian troops to share the garrisoning of Malta, which had been recaptured from the French by the British. The ongoing war and threat of invasion triggered another domestic crisis in France. Counter-revolutionary uprisings broke out in Toulouse, while the long-standing revolt in the Vendée region reignited. This persuaded a number of moderate republicans to decide the time had come for a coup to create a strong government backed by the military. Napoleon's return to Paris in mid-October was opportune. To boost his credentials, he was able to claim a victory in Egypt, since full details of the expedition had yet to reach Paris. And so he became part of a coup of the 9th to 10th of November 1799, which established a new government known as the Consulate. It had been intended that he should merely be the instrument of change of government, but to the surprise of his fellow conspirators, the ambitious general emerged as the dominant voice in the new regime, and as the first consul.
France's internal problems were immense. The economy was in disarray and the country weary of war. Napoleon made real attempts to negotiate peace with Vienna and London during the winter of 1799 to 1800, but these negotiations were unsuccessful. The Austrians, having made substantial territorial gains in Italy in 1799, were unwilling to return to the terms agreed at Campo Formio. The British, for their part, refused to sign a peace that would leave Holland and Belgium in French hands. So war was resumed in the spring of 1800, and since Napoleon could not attack Britain directly, he directed his attack against Austria. The campaign started badly for the French. The Austrians attacked in Italy with 97,000 men, driving back the outnumbered French and besieging them in Genoa. Napoleon reacted swiftly, leading the newly created Army of Reserve across the Alps via the St. Bernard Pass and descended on the Austrian rear. Having reached Milan, Napoleon misjudged his Austrian opponent, General Melas, who he believed would simply fall back on newly conquered Genoa. Melas, however, outmaneuvered Napoleon and launched an aggressive attack on his outnumbered troops. At the Battle of Marengo, on the 14th of June, 1800, near the city of Alessandria in Piedmont, the French were driven back five miles, Napoleon all but beaten. But in the nick of time, General Dessay appeared with fresh troops and launched a counter-attack that caught the weary Austrians off balance and routed them, though not before General Dessay was killed in the moment of victory. The Battle of Marengo turned out to be the most important victory of Napoleon's career in many ways. Had he lost the battle, he would have lost the war and probably the consulship. Instead, his narrow win secured his job and won him Italy. The commander, Melas, offered an armistice and Napoleon, eager for a quick resolution, offered the same terms as those agreed at Campo Formio. Emperor Francis II, however, boosted by a subsidy from Britain, rejected the agreement and continued the war. Again, the Austrian forces seized the initiative when an army under Archduke John, one of the brothers of Emperor Francis II, launched an attack into Bavaria and was defeated by the French under General Jean Moreau at the Battle of Hohenlinden. A demoralised Francis agreed to sue for peace and in February 1801, his representatives signed the Treaty of Lunavelle, by which Austria was again forced to accept France's annexation of Belgium and the left bank of the Rhine, and to recognise the independence of the new Italian republics. But in addition, Austria had to agree to accept French control of the duchies of Parma and Tuscany, and Venetian lands went to the Cisalpine Republic. It also began the destruction of the Holy Roman Empire, as Napoleon presided over a great simplification of the map of Germany. Almost exactly two years later, the Imperial Diet approved a settlement which wiped hundreds of territories from the map and consolidated them into larger units. The great beneficiaries were the larger secular princes, notably of Prussia, Bavaria, Württemberg and Baden, and the losers were the ecclesiastical states, the free imperial cities and the imperial knights. Only Britain remained at war with France. 
After a decade of warfare, the nation's will to carry on the struggle was waning. A political crisis over Irish emancipation indirectly increased Britain's willingness to negotiate. The refusal of King George III to countenance any improvement in the position of Roman Catholics in Ireland led to the resignation early in 1801 of Prime Minister William Pitt the Younger, who had for almost a decade directed and sustained Britain's war against France. The new administration in London of Henry Eddington were keen to find the peace, but negotiations were protracted, largely because Napoleon hoped to hang on to Egypt. The Peace of Amiens was finally agreed on the 27th of March 1802, whereby Britain returned all her conquests made during the war except for the islands of Ceylon and Trinidad. Egypt was to be handed back to the Ottoman Empire. Malta restored to the Knights of St John and the Cape of Good Hope returned to the Dutch. Could peace have lasted in 1802? The author Charles Estelle believed not, for the reason that French hegemony in Western Europe was simply not compatible with British security. But he heads that Britain was unlikely to renew war in the immediate future. Neither Prussia nor Russia were unhappy with the war's outcome, and the battered Austrians were anxious to avoid another fight. The French position in 1802-1803 was awe-inspiring, yet Napoleon's ambitions were not sated, and the conflict broke out just a year after the Peace of Amiens, in May 1803. The conflict that took place from then until 1815 is referred to as the Napoleonic Wars by historians, and is the topic of the next set of episodes. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.